We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Notre Dame fans, we are going to interrupt your watching of two petulant grown-up children going at each other on uh, uh, about which one cheats the worst uh, to talk about Notre Dame football today. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know why, Vince, I just tweeted this. I just am really happy that Marcus Freeman, the young guy, is Notre Dame's head coach because uh, could you imagine Marcus Freeman getting on television and acting like the, the petulant, whiny child that Jimbo Fisher just acted like this is my favorite no honor amongst the thieves yeah like that is a that is perfect man I love that and the fact that he kept talking about we didn't cheat we didn't cheat I don't believe Nick Saban ever said you cheated he said you bought players right said you cheated right exactly so anyway that's kind of we will we will dive into that after our show when we get into the daily mailbag because I know that there's going to be a lot of questions about it but Vince today you and I are going to talk about something Notre Dame related, and that is Notre Dame's 2022 schedule. So last year, Vince, we kind of, you know, we went through the schedule and we broke it down into, you know, the quarters and, you know, which ones were yeah. the toughest and all that kind of stuff. But we did that in one show and we decided we want to do it a little bit differently this year. And what we're going to do this year is, is we're going to kind of break it into four shows. We're going to break each quarter into a show. And today is going to be quarter one, but we're going to kind of begin by first talking about just the schedule overall. And then we'll get to Q&A afterwards. If you have some questions you want us to answer and address, just leave them in the in the chat. Vince is starting all those up and we'll have those ready to go at the end of the show. So you're looking at the schedule, first of all, Vince, it was, it was kind of interesting as I was perusing through it and just kind of collecting data and just, you know, just glancing at, at who they play and when they play and things like that. And I think one thing we can agree on is that the schedule's tougher this year. It's certainly sure. a tougher schedule this year. Yeah. But it's not, in my opinion, the gauntlet that it's made out to be. And I think that favors Notre Dame. And as I was glancing through it, you obviously have the three teams at the top, right, With from a record standpoint. You've got Ohio State coming off of a Rose Bowl season. You've got Clemson coming off of a, quote, unquote, disappointing 10-3 and three campaign. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've got – BYU coming off of a 10 and three season. And then you've got a bunch of. Bleh. So right, the exactly. next nine opponents went in seven and six, six and six, six and seven, five and seven, five and seven, four and eight, four and eight, three and nine, two and 10. Notre Dame plays seven teams that had a losing record last year and five teams that had a, a four teams that had a winning record. And then one team, Boston College, was was 500. Now, I think some of those teams are going to be much improved. I think part of the reason Boston College was six and six is because they lost Phil Dracovic. I think they were sure. like four and two when he played, right? And he right. was not close to 100% at the end of the season when he played. And USC is going to be better. I don't know how much better. They're going to be better than four and eight. But sure. it's a schedule that Notre Dame should continue to have success with, which is why I just don't buy the whole, you know, nine and three is the way to go. And, you know, people are talking about, did you see how many ranked teams? There's like four top 20 teams. And I'm like, yeah, there's four top 20 teams on the schedule last year to begin the year. And one of them finished the season ranked. 
much less in the top 15, 20. Because remember, USC was considered a top 20 team last year. Wisconsin was considered a top 20 team last year. North Carolina was considered by some a top 10 team last year. Which was or Cincinnati was considered a top 15 team, which they were legitimately a good team. Yes. Sure. Still don't think they were one of the four best teams in the country, although they did deserve a playoff berth. Agreed. But this year's schedule is definitely going to ramp up because the middle and bottom seem similar to what it's been in recent years. The difference, however, is I do think the top is going to be a lot stronger. And as you look at it, 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 it starts right away in quarter one. I mean, your hardest game of the year, in our opinion, is the first. Yeah. And it's going to be an early test to find, let us find out what Notre Dame is made of. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My wife is the coffee drinker in our house. So when I told her about trying out trade coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And right now for Irish Breakdown listeners, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started when taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. And don't forget, it's Father's Day coming up, and a trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lovers in your life. And I'm going to have to dig into the schedule a little bit more as we as we move forward, but to me, it feels like the top got harder and the bottom got lower, and the middle isn't as great as it has been. Um, I, I just feel like it's it's top heavy and it's bottom heavy. You know what I mean? And and again, I'm gonna have to dig in a little bit more and see kind of what's coming back and all of that from some of these other schools. But at the same time, the top is definitely better than it's been. There, uh, there, there. I don't think anybody can argue with that. But the bottom, I feel like, is even lower at times than it's been. It's at- yeah, it's. I mean, similar. we're going to talk about Marshall, yeah. for example. Yeah, they had last year. They didn't even play a Power Five team at all. You know what I mean? But Marshall they, still went seven and six. I mean, they're, they're still they were seven decent, and six, but they're still they a decent. Like to didn't me, play like a Power Five school. Marshall to me is better than some of the teams Notre Dame has played in recent years in that early portion of the schedule. You know, they're better than a New Mexico. They're better than a Bowling Green. To me, they're similar, if not a little bit better than Toledo in my opinion, but it's that kind of game. It's, it's what, and that's what it's meant to be. I mean, that's what it's meant to be. And so when you look at the first quarter and we can just, we can just dive into it now. We'll just, we'll just jump into the conversation as you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll get into, 
more specifics of opponents as we get into the summer. We'll do individual breakdowns of each team. So this isn't meant to be like a thorough analysis of each team. Right. It's really just trying to go an overview of the schedule, what they mean, what are the toughest games of each quarter, what are the trap games of each quarter, things along those lines. And so right. and that's what this is going to be about is we just kind of work through the 12-game schedule, and then we'll get to our you know our season predictions down the road and all that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll get there. All of that. This is just sort of a as we kick off our, you know, really start diving into our 2022 season preview. This is kind of where we're going. And so I do think quarter one is very similar to what we've seen in some other years uh, that I that that I think it's it's good for Notre Dame to get an early test. Sure. And we've seen that. We saw that going back to 2017, you know, getting Georgia in what was a week mm-hmm. two. Right. In 2017, yeah, you got. You got Michigan in the opener in 2018. You had, which was a good football team. I mean, they had two sure. regular season losses that year, one to Notre Dame at the beginning of the year, one to Ohio State at the end of the year. And then you had Georgia in game three. I think it was in 2019. You start off with Louisville, then New Mexico. So still in that first quarter. And then, of course, right. last year, they tried to do that last year. I don't think you can predict that Florida State was going to be as you know as bad. That's supposed were. to be a when huge you, game. I mean, when you schedule a road yeah. game at Florida State, you expect them to be a good football team, right? So I'm a big fan of early season tests. I'm also a big fan of just in general for college football of having games like this early in the season. I, I, I want to see more and more and more of this. Like you know, as you look at the first game, the first week of the season. I love the fact that you're going to have some really great matchups early on. Like the same day ABC announced, I mean, talk about kicking your season off the right way. ABC is going to have Georgia, Oregon at three 30 and then Notre Dame and, and Ohio state in the evening game. I mean, that's how, that's how college football should be. I mean, September should be big games between great teams from different conferences and not this, you know, this nonsense of of these neutral field games and all this other stuff, you know, Alabama's utter unwillingness to play anyone on the road out of mm-hmm. conference. You know, it, it, it boils down to, you know, I want to see some great games. I want to see Cincinnati playing Arkansas in the opener. I want to see Utah playing Florida in the opener. This is, this is all opening weekend games, which I absolutely love. I want to see, like we said, Georgia playing Oregon. There's some really, really fun games that opening weekend. Week two is very similar. And Vince, that's what college football should be about. And in this matchup, you have two Midwestern powers. And for Notre Dame, it sets up a great opportunity because, you know, if you're Marcus Freeman, before you, and I've said this before, before you get to Bama, you got to get to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. You know, look, the road the road to, to a championship for a Midwestern team still goes through Columbus. Yeah. And that's no literally point. where Marcus Freeman kicks off his career because I don't look at the bowl game as the start of Marcus Freeman's career. I look at him as more of an almost an interim head coach at that point in time because sure. you didn't he didn't have his staff. There was coaches that knew they were being, you know, fired and let go and you know, all types of things. Yeah. This is really going to be his first right. shot at this with a new staff. And we're going to find out early on, you know, kind of what this program is made of. But this is a big game in that regard, Vince. Before we even dive into what it means for the 2022 schedule. This is a tremendous opportunity for Notre Dame to either go out and and get a huge win or at least do something that Brian Kelly hasn't done in a long time, which is face a top five team, especially on the road, and be competitive, right? And and doing so yeah. without them being down four or five of their best players, right? So more than anything, it just it's it presents a big picture opportunity for sure. for Marcus Freeman to kick things off. Let, let me ask you this question because I I could make a strong argument on both sides of this particular question, and I want to get your opinion on it. How do you feel about you know Notre Dame playing basically their biggest game of the year? You just said it in, in game number one without having the quote unquote tune up game, like having a game like if you let's say you flip flop Marshall and Ohio State, right? Do would you rather have a Marshall up front to work out some kinks, or would you rather have the big game up front? When nobody knows what you got coming and and you just get to go out and do it. Well, I still I still like it this way. Okay. To be honest with you. Because okay. and, and we've not not just with the whole especially with I'm normally like I like it. It just depends on the team. But sure. normally I kind of like it in that week one because if you're if you're playing a Marshall in week one, you're not thinking about Marshall. You're thinking about Ohio State in week two. That's fair. 
That's then fair. you run the risk of, okay, do they somewhat sleepwalk through that opener because they're focused on them? You know, whereas now you can, you know, because coaches do this whole thing of, well, we're, we're only focused on the game right, it's right in front of us. And you could say that all you want, but we all know if you're playing Marshall in the opener, and this is no disrespect to Marshall. I mean, I think Charles Huff is doing a nice job there. And, sure. and he's a guy that Notre Dame, if you remember, Notre Dame tried to hire to coach running backs before Lance Taylor, and he was at Alabama at the time. He's a did a great job at Penn State as a coach and recruiter. So, I mean, he's a good football coach doing some nice things there, replacing Doc Holliday. But, I mean, they're not on Notre Dame's level. And and so you – but you run the risk of, okay, do you come out and because you're not focused on them, you know, do you then get into a situation where you kind of make some mistakes, play sloppy because you have to lie to your players and say, we're only worried about Marshall, we're only worried about Marshall. When you you know you're not worried about Marshall – well, now it's like you can say, hey, we're focused on Ohio yeah. State, and Ohio State yeah. can do the same thing. And so I, I, I like it. And and look, in in fairness to Brian Kelly, there have been some some games like this in openers where Notre Dame has come out. Some of Notre Dame's best teams came out in openers and looked really good. I mean, in, in 2012, obviously, that was against Navy. They weren't that good. But you look at 2015, Texas was supposed to be better than they were, but that was a locked-in Notre Dame team and just steamrolled Texas in the opener. You look at the Michigan game in 2018, Notre Dame jumps all over Michigan early in that game. You know, and they let them back in with some silly special teams things because their special teams were always inconsistent. But Notre Dame came out ready in that game, right? And, and Georgia, they went to the, they they didn't they weren't afraid of Georgia in 2017. So I'll, I'll give them some credit. Some of those early season games they did a nice job of getting those teams ready to play. When they went down to Georgia, they didn't play with the same fear against Georgia in 2019 that they did playing against Miami and some other road games later in the year. So for whatever reason, Brian Kelly was able to get his teams at least focused in early enough to, to be locked in ready for those games. It's just they didn't have great game plans and the in-game adjustments and all that sure. stuff that plagued Brian Kelly were, were problems. But you know, I don't think those are going to be there this year. So I like that idea. But even specifically to this game, Vince – you, you've got a brand new staff. You've got yeah. a brand new quarterback. You're going to have guys in different places. Ohio State's not going to really have a great idea on what right. an offense that's run with Tyler Buckner is going to look like. They don't I don't have call, great, yeah, yeah. I don't want to call it the element of surprise, but I think that that benefits Notre Dame in this particular case. There's some. Yeah. Because you could make the case, well, look, Jim Knowles is a first-year defensive coordinator at Oklahoma State, but you've coached against Jim Knowles multiple times. You, you just spent your whole bowl prep breaking down a defense that Jim Knowles created right right and and Jim Knowles has proven that he's part of the reason he's such a good coach is because he has a system he believes in and he's going to run that system and that's also partly why his defenses at Duke and, and and Oklahoma State were actually statistically worse his first year than they were the year before the coach that he replaced because it was we're just going to do what I believe in and then eventually we're going to get it right now right. I think in Ohio State we're going to see him adjust more because in those situations you were stepping into a, a failed situation where your teams were kind of building up so you could take a year to kind of get going no one's going to give him a year to Ohio State you got to get this right. thing going right away so I think you'll right. see him maybe tailor things a little bit more to the personnel but he's still kind of that's who he is you know I was, I was talking about this on, a, on another show the other day and I was like look Notre Dame's defensive coordinator hasn't called a game and since 2005 you know, I mean, the last time he called a defensive game, Brady Quinn was Notre Dame's quarterback. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, think about that. I think Marcus Freeman was still a college football player yeah, the last right. time that Al Golden called a defensive game. So the point being, you have no idea what Al Golden is going to really right, do. He's what are learned, his likes, dislikes, I mean, tendencies, all those kind of changed. things. I, who, who among right. us can not say that things have changed for us since 2005, right? right? And right. that goes business-wise and personal-wise. So, He's not going to call the same type of game that he called in 2000. And it's going to be a completely different defense. Right. He was running Al Groh's defense in 2005. Right. He wasn't running his defense, and I would imagine he's evolved in those 17 years since he was calling games. Right. And, and then offensively, you're going to have a better sense of what Tommy Reese believes in. I mean, Tommy Reese isn't yeah. reinventing the wheel of his offense, but you don't know – you know, how much is Tyler Buckner going to be a part of the run game? You know, it, what is the emphasis yeah. going to be with Harry Heastand as the coach? So I think Notre Dame's offense doesn't have quite the the surprise factors as as they do on defense. But even then, there's still some 
there's still some questions about sure. what exactly it's going to look like. And then you're going to break the game down based on what Notre Dame's weaknesses were last year, thinking, hey, this offensive line. But then it's like, okay, but can you really count on that to be a mismatch like it would have been based on last year's film now that Harry Heastand is here and you know younger players are, are emerging? So there's a lot of unknowns that I think benefit Notre Dame. I think Ohio State is more of a known commodity sure. than Notre Dame is. They got a returning quarterback and uh, all, you know, it's really good. Really right. good. No question, man. But they have the majority of their staff is back. So, I mean, scheme and all of those things are going to be pretty similar. Offensively, the, yeah. Yeah, right. except for the defensive coordinator. But, well, they overhauled their defensive staff. Yeah, I mean, that's I think Larry Johnson. But, but again, you know what Jim Knowles is. That's that's mm-hmm. my point because the defensive assistants aren't as important to me as the defensive what coordinator. the coordinator is going to do. Right? And, and again, and that's my point. You mentioned it. Notre Dame just prepared for his defense in the bowl game. So, I mean, they have that familiarity and shredded it at the very least for the scheme. And they yeah. did. Shred it. I mean, right. it, passed for 500 yards. The offense wasn't the issue for the most part. For right. the most part um, in that game. So, yeah, I, I think if we're talking just from a um, intangibles standpoint, as we sit here on May nineteenth, I think that favors Notre Dame going in. Now, there's a lot of other boxes to check when it comes to winning or losing that game, but the intangibles mm-hmm. part, I think, do benefit Notre Dame. And I don't think that that's a homer look at it. I think if you break it down, you've got known commodities versus unknown commodities. Right. If you're a football coach, you want to know as much as you can know. Right. It's the unknown that scares the crap out of you. Right. I mean, it, it just it, it did me. Right. It's the unknown that I don't like. Um, and, and so the known part is what you want. And, and there's more known about Ohio State. Now, a lot of that known is really good. There's right. no question about that. But Notre Dame kind of has that ace in their back pocket of, OK, well, they don't know. They've never seen Tyler Buckner be the guy at quarterback. Mm-hmm. They've never seen you know, a Harry Heastand offensive line right. in the last 10 years, right? They, they've never right. seen that benefits Notre Dame for sure. Well, and I also think the last time, here's a little fun. Do you know the last time Ohio State faced a first-year head coach who was in his 30s at home early in the season? Do you know what happened? My goodness gracious, no, I don't know the answer It was 2017. Oh, It was in week two. They hosted Oklahoma and got their butts kicked. So, I mean, it's, it's not, there's like, just no, so well, you know, he's a first year because Notre Dame fans err on the side of, well, Charlie stunk and Davey stunk. So right. I'm more, no, they were bad coaches, which is why <laughs> Davey also stunk at New Mexico and why Charlie also stunk at Kansas. Right. But then you, you look at, you know, Dabo's situation was different. You know, he had never been a, a head coach before and, and his first year wasn't great, but he, he also inherited a situation where a coach had gotten fired. Whereas Ryan Day steps into a situation where he's replacing a coach who who was very successful, inherited a great situation. You know, they play Cincinnati earlier in the year, who was considered a good team that year, and beat them forty-two to nothing. Right, right? and and so you, you have to look at the situations and the scenarios and say, okay, well, you know, it, what's the talent of the team? What's the makeup of the team? What's sure. the staff look like? And and I think those are the things that that we're not discussing enough. You know, we talk about, I, I posed this question to a friend of mine the other day and he said, um, you're talking about Marcus Freeman's inexperience. There's some people that don't even have Notre Dame in the top 10. I was doing a, there's an article t- uh, today at irishbreakdown.com. I'd encourage you all to look at where I kind of go through all the preseason rankings for Notre Dame so far. And there's like one has them sixth and the seventh, eighth, ninth. And then one has them 13th mm-hmm. down from ninth when they had them in January. That's right. Clearly not believers in Notre Dame. And, mm-hmm. There's this assumption they're going to get spanked by Ohio State. You know, maybe they do. We don't know. That's not the point of this show. The but it, it, the assumption is well, you know, first year coach, all this other kind of stuff, and inexperience. And I'm like, yes, the head coach is inexperienced. I get that, no doubt. But is there anyone else on the staff that you look at and say that guy's not qualified or experienced at the job he's being asked to do? It's not just the head coach that's going to be coaching in that game, right? I mean, everybody else. Tommy Reese is going into his third year as a coordinator. Harry, he stands a veteran. I mean, what the most experienced guy is what? Chancey Stuckey, who was part of a coaching staff that won the Sugar Bowl last year. Right, right. You know, so I just, I, I look at it and say, you know, it, it's not like Marcus Freeman went out and hired a guy's, you know, promoted a guy that had never, you know, defensive coordinator that had never called a game before and was young and experienced. And then he's also got a first year offensive coordinator who's doing this and he hired a bunch of other, you know, he he put together a staff that are there of, of, for the most part, with the exception of Chancey Stuckey, of proven commodities. Even Chris O'Leary, 
has shown he can do the job that he's being asked to do, right? He's only did it for one year, but I mean, what he did with that group after Kyle Hamilton went down last year showed me that this guy's got some coaching chops to him. So it's one thing to like just coach a couple of all Americans and keep them where they're at. But then when your one all American goes down, you got to pick up the, you know, pick up the slack. And I I thought that the safeties actually played better after Kyle Hamilton went down. And I don't, I don't think that's because Kyle was out, you know, and you're not saying that either, but it's, it's, but it's like, you know, and he did that with a converted wide receiver and a converted cornerback. Right. So, Again, I, I look at it, Vince, and and yes, it's going to be a difficult matchup. And no, I don't think Notre Dame should be favored to win. Will I pick them to win? I don't know. I've got so much more of the matchups I, I got to dive say. into. We need to see fall camp kind of carry out and all that kind of stuff, you know. But I don't think this is a game that Notre Dame because like people say, well, you know, Notre Dame, got, but Notre Dame shouldn't have got blown out in those games. They got blown out in. They shouldn't have got blown out by Clemson in 2018. They shouldn't have got blown out by Bama in 2012. That doesn't mean they should have won, but it should have been 42 to 14. They shouldn't have right. got blown out by Miami. They shouldn't have got blown out. You know, the, the way they did by Ohio State in 2015, they shouldn't have got blown out the way that they did by Michigan in 2019. Mm-hmm. Th- those, those you know, same thing with the, the Bama game in 2020. No, Notre Dame shouldn't have won that game. Bama was the better team, but Notre Dame didn't even sure. try to win that yeah, game. It's like they just were, were happy you know? to be Right, and, and yeah. it's funny, I'm, you know, Brian Kelly's really helped us in a lot of ways because that game caused me to be so ticked that we did the first kind of, it wasn't, I don't think we did it live, but like, you know, we did the post game show, remember? And that kind of started the, you know what, let's start doing this thing. This is kind of fun. Let's do this right. thing. Right. Yep. And that kind of launched our, our desire to really take this channel off. And so, Hey, thanks, you know, and <laughs> thanks, Brian. Thanks BK. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, I just, I just feel like we're going to find out now what I'm not saying is that those things are all gone. Now that Marcus Freeman is here. Right. Because that would be in, you know, disingenuous. We don't know. We don't know if Marcus Freeman is going to be different from Brian Kelly in that regard. We haven't seen him coach that kind of game before. I'll say this, the one big game he coached in, they were a lot more competitive than they've been in other similar games. You know, now we could say, well, maybe Oklahoma State's not as good as some of those other opponents, and that's a, that's fair, but we really don't know what he's going to be. It's just that's kind of the test that we're going to have, though, right? Vince is this is that first game that's going to allow you to get an early gauge. And then kind of looking at the schedule specifically, I think that's a good thing in two regards. One is of what it's going to do for you for the off season. And then also what is that going to do for you kind of going into the rest of the year? And so that's another reason I like it as the opener events, because you now get to focus all your building on Ohio state. You don't have to pretend to care about the team in front of them. You can focus on Ohio state. And so I think it gives your players momentum. Like Marcus Freeman said, you know, hey, make it 14, make it 21, you know, like because he wants that hate. Like I guarantee you when Marcus Freeman saw that they're opening as under as underdogs to USC, he was like, yes, you know, like, thank you. Make us underdogs in every big game that we have. Right. So, I mean, I think he wants that. He feeds off that that disrespect, you know, angle and and you know, foot emotion and is a very powerful thing. And that's one of the, the great Lou Holtz's greatest assets is he knew how to manipulate. And I don't mean this in a negative term; I mean this in a positive term. He knew how to manipulate the emotion of his football team, get everybody kind of focused right. on that same goal, and then get him riled up and now go. And of yeah. course, you're prepared. You know how to block and tackle sure. and catch and throw. But you then add the emotional aspect of it, and that's something that Notre Dame was always lacking under Brian Kelly. Absolutely, and I feel like they've gained that with Marcus Freeman. As I, I think so. I, I mean, just talking to players and parents and stuff like that. Like, I, exactly. I think there's a reaction to him, but but will that be the case on a Saturday, you know, night in Columbus? We that we don't know the answer. Know to. that? Yeah, we can speculate, but right. we don't know that for sure. The yeah. other part, Vince, is you get that early gauge, and you're going to find out from day one where are you good and where you need work. And I think that's the other thing you're going to learn from an opener. And and we saw this in 2017. I don't know if that Notre Dame team has the success that they have if they don't play Georgia early and lose the way that they did. I mean, it may sound crazy, and I think a win would have done even more for that team. My sure. point is more if it wasn't Georgia on the schedule or if they'd have got blown out. If they got when they lost out. to Georgia the way yeah. they did, where, you know what, yeah. we should have won that game. Right. They put it a chip gave, on that. Older. Yes, that's what I and feel. They yeah. just blasted for like the next month and a half, two months. They just basically just destroyed everything in their path. Right. And I kind of feel the same thing about this game. Like if you can go into Ohio State and beat them or lose in a competitive game, 
right. where, you know, hey, we got some stuff we got to clean up. You know, our third down situation wasn't great. We we settled for field goals while they were getting touchdowns in the red zone. We got to work on that. You know, we we did whatever the case may be that caused you to get beat. You can then say, okay, we got to fix this because we've got a great foundation. Now we got to build on it. But when you come out and you play, you know, like look at Michigan's schedule. I mean, it's a it's a joke. I mean, they're I'm going to pull this up because we were kind of cracking on it when I was on uh, when I was on the show with Mark Rogers the other day. But their early season schedule is is honestly embarrassing, Vince. They start with Colorado State at home, then they play Hawaii at home, then they play UConn at home. Then they play Maryland home. Wow. They don't play a real game really until they go to Iowa on October 1st. Like, what are we really going to know about Michigan through the first month of the season? You're going to hear plenty about them from the national heads, though. Oh, right. But what, is, what, what will Jim Harbaugh and his staff really know about that football right. team through right. the first month of the season? Whereas Notre Dame and Ohio State both are going to get an immediate test of, okay, if we want to win a championship, we better get better here. And we better build around this. And mm-hmm. I think that's another positive to that schedule. Now, here's the other piece, though, Vince. What you can't have is what Notre Dame used to do, which is you start off with Nebraska. Like, what was it? The 2000 football schedule? I'm going to I'm gonna go look at this because it was just like the, the start sometimes were just a little bit too nuts. You start with uh, Texas A&M. Then you play Nebraska. Then you play Purdue. Then you play Michigan State, and it's just like, um, where's the break? Maybe we might not want to be insane with how we start yeah. our game, you know, seasons. Right. You know, like two, 1999, Kansas in the opener, not good. Then they play a, a ranked Michigan team, a ranked Purdue team, a, a Michigan State, then Oklahoma. That it's like you 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 need to have a little bit of a reprieve balance. Yes. And and 21 is when they open with Nebraska. And, and, you know, again, it was a similar schedule. You open with Nebraska on the road, number five, Nebraska, then you're home against Michigan state. Then you're at Texas A&M home against Pitt, home against West Virginia, home against USC at Boston college, home against Tennessee. You not till November 17th against Navy. Did you, do you have a situation where you're playing, you know, like that's, that's also a silly schedule, Right. right? There's got to be happy medium. And to me, this is one. Yeah. You start off with the great team at the beginning, and then you have two decent opponents, right? Marshall, as I said, I I, I think Marshall's a good team. And we'll, we'll dive into Marshall specifically, but they've got one of the better running backs Notre Dame is going to face this year mm-hmm. is on there. I mean, he's not great, but he's a really good back. He rushed for, I think, over 1,200 yards last year. They have a big physical offensive line. They're a well-coached football team. And you know they went to a bowl game last year. Sure. Right? Yeah, you know that, that's that's a good that's a team you should pound, Vince. Right? This isn't like Absolutely. a look. They only beat them like they beat Toledo. It's okay. We're no, they should pound Marshall. But the point is, it's it's not like you're going out there against New Mexico where you could play like crap and still score sixty six points. And if you remember when we talked about that that game, that's exactly what I said about that game, Vince. Because is yeah, they scored sixty six points. They didn't play well. Right. Right. And same thing against Bowling Green. This is you're gonna if you blow out Marshall, it's because you have to play well. Same thing with Cal. Look, Justin Wilcox has done a nice job at Cal. They're a tough team, they're well coached, they battle, they just don't have any talent. Right. So it's gonna be a test for Notre Dame in regards to it's it's uh you know, you have to come out and be locked in, but sure, sure. it's also a game that you honestly should steamroll. So they're sort of get right games to a degree. Absolutely, then, right? Not what? like UConn and you know, Hawaii get right games, but they're get right games where you can get yourself back on track. There's no, there's no question about it. And because then you've got, and I'm, you know, I don't want to jump the gun here at all, but then you've got BYU in a neutral site and BYU is not going to be a pushover, right? I mean, it's a night game in Vegas, you know, there's going to be a ton of stuff surrounding that game. And so um, I I just feel like it's going to be, you've got two get right games and then you got a big game. And then you've got, frankly, two get-right games in Stanford. Well, you've got I – mean, we we're not going to get into – we're not in part okay. two yet, but they play North Carolina before BYU. Oh, you're absolutely right. I so apologize. The, yeah. the first quarter is just the first three games. Right, 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 right. And, right, and right. so, to me, you look at that first quarter and, you you know, before you go to North Carolina – and, you know, again, that's kind of – you know, if we we're going to talk about the schedule big picture, I do think, Vince, though, that there's – you know, to, to kind of just quickly look past quarter one, to your point, is – you know, you do have those two get right games and you have a tough test at North Carolina yes. because then you have a bye. Then you have a BYU team that I think is the third best team on their schedule. 
behind mm-hmm. Ohio State and Clemson. I'm sorry. I think BYU is going to be a tougher game than USC is, at least physically tougher, right? I mean, we'll find out if USC may be able to outscore people and may be a better team, but physically tougher. BYU is definitely going to be physically tougher right, right. than USC. And then, like you said, there's some more get-right games. And then, you know, then you get Clemson, and then after like Clemson, nice it's like, yeah. Ebb and flow to it is what right. I, it's basically the point that I was making. And we'll right. go into detail later, but I like the ebb and flow. It's not like – bang your head against the wall for four or five games in a row. And then right. you got a bunch of, you know, turn. Right. Cause then you, you got know. Clemson and then Navy and Boston college and then USC again. So right. there's not really two back to, I mean, the, the, you could argue that the t- based on what teams were last year and what I think teams will be, I would argue the toughest two game stretch on the schedule is, is North Carolina and BYU. And there's a buy in between. There's a buy in between. And then right. they're followed by Stanford, UNLV and Syracuse. So uh, I think the 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 other argument could be made that it's BC and USC. That was where I would go, right? But moment. I got look. But USC went four and eight last year, and they're True. yes, they got a lot of great skill players. But this isn't a seven on seven league. They still got a block and tackle, and and like Oklahoma's defense last year was average at best with a lot of NFL players on it. I mean, right. go look at the NFL draft. They had a a lot of defensive players drafted and projected to get drafted next year, and they still stunk because that's who Lincoln Riley is. USC's defense stunk last year and they don't have NFL players coming back on it, right? Like they didn't have very many NFL players on it last year and the, the best one, the best ones they had are gone. So, you, you know, I just, and, and their offensive line is still a mess. Their defensive line is still a mess. So I, I still am not quite sold on them. I still need to learn some things about BC. Yes. I think they've got very good skill. They have one of the four or five best offensive skill groups that I was going to face you know, with with Zay Flowers and with with Jalen Gill and with with the running back that went for a thousand yards, George Takis, and obviously Phil Jacobic. But you know, they lost four of their five starters on the offensive line, so that's a question mark, right? Defense lost a lot of talent, so there's a lot of question marks that we're gonna we're gonna sort of have to get answered. Yeah, right, absolutely. And I think you're yeah. gonna you're gonna get a lot of questions answered in the game one. There's no there's no doubt about that, but I don't think people need to overreact in a positive or a negative way after one game. Okay. That's it's a, yeah. I mean, look, if Notre Dame beats Ohio state, it doesn't mean that they're okay. You know, polish off the national championship trophy. It's arrived. The moment has arrived. Right. Uh, If they lose to Ohio state, it's not like, well, there goes we go again. Right. But at the same time, I do, I don't think we should dismiss it either because I, I do think that a win would be huge. Absolutely. And a blowout loss would say, you know, maybe maybe there's more to be done here than we thought needed to be done here. Sure. And I get that, too. I'm just saying, I guess more from because those were all big picture things that you just mentioned. Right. Like the the seasons is garbage or we're going to win a national championship. Right. I guess I was more referring to some of the smaller things. You know what I mean? So like if the wide receivers have a bad day, oh, we were wrong on Chancey Stuckey's coach sure. you know what i mean like sure those kind of conclusions that you know yeah. people are going to jump to both in the media and the right. fans that's sure. going to happen and, sure. and again if they run for 300 yards it'll be oh you know the offensive line is amazing they're they're right. mag- or you know Here he stands the greatest and they're right. going to run for 300 on every opponent right all in moderation but they're we're going to learn a lot there's no question yeah. we're going to learn a lot but there's a lot of season left after that well, what's the here's where here's where I will I agree with what you're saying in regards to picking out certain aspects of the team. Completely sure. agree. The one area where I would say it, it is going to have a huge impact, and and this isn't what you're saying, so I'm I'm taking in a different direction, not disagreeing with you. Gotcha. Notre Dame can afford to lose to Ohio State and still make the college football playoff. No, there's doubt. no question. I don't think Notre Dame can afford to get blown out and still make college football playoffs. That I agree with wholeheartedly. And I'm kind of a believer that I don't think you deserve to be in the playoff if you get blown out in the regular season. This is kind of my, my comment in 2017 when people are like, hey, if, may, if you beat if you beat Stanford, you still got a shot. And I was like, yeah, I don't deserve a shot. They had their shot and they got their butts kicked. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And they didn't show up. I don't think you deserve to be in at that point in time. It's kind of like how I felt about you know Ohio State in 2018. You know, Ohio State deserved a chance to be in the playoff. They were 12 and one and won the Big Ten. I'm like, yeah, and they went on the road and got destroyed by Purdue. I'm sorry, you 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 missed your chance, and that's what I love about the regular season of college football. For the most part, unless there's some sort of extenuating circumstance, right? Like if right. Notre Dame would have blown Clemson out in 2020, like they should have, mm-hmm. you know, beat them convincingly, like they should have, I would have been more sympathetic to to, to Clemson still having a, a case to be in the playoff because. 
they were missing so many players, including their best player. Mm-hmm. And and so I think, barring some circumstance that was unforeseen, right. I right. just I, I I have a tough time making I'll have a tough time making the case that Notre Dame deserves to be in the college football playoff well, if they, if they're not competitive against Ohio State. I agree with that because if they get blown out in game one against Ohio State, I don't and I don't think it's an argument that Ohio State is the best team on their schedule. Mm-hmm. Even if they go out and they win the rest of their game, they're eleven and one, but they got that blowout loss to the yeah. best team on their schedule. But Ohio State is going to be on par with the other people that should be in the playoff. Right. And if that's the example that you have for Notre Dame is that, well, when they played the best team, they got blown out. So if we put them in the playoff and they're playing another best team, why would we not expect that to be the case? I have a problem with that, right? I, I feel like that is a logical argument. Like that, If you're going to get blown out by the best team on your schedule, then you don't belong playing the best teams in the country. And Ohio State, I, I would assume, is going to be one of those teams at the I end agree. of the year. If they well, I, I do have Ohio State as a playoff team. Like an early – now, again, I'm going to go, go through the rest of the schedule and – you know, I'm going to really over the next month really dive into everybody and just, sure. you know, we're going to come up with an Irish breakdown, top 25. We're going to break, we're going to have a show about that down the road and all that kind of stuff too. But I think Ohio State is going to get a little bit more credit for that loss and the, well, a new staff and all that than Notre Dame will. That's just the reality of it. But I don't think Notre Dame's going to blow Ohio State out. I would make the same case for Ohio State. If Notre Dame goes in there and beats them by 27 points, it's Ohio State doesn't deserve to be in the playoff. I agree. Because I think the exception would be, here's the only exception, Vince, is you have to basically just steamroll the rest of your schedule. Like if, if, if Notre Dame got blown out or Ohio State got blown out, then you'd have to go pound every good team you played. And that's what got Ohio State into the playoff in 2014. Right, because if you remember correctly, they got beat at home by two touchdowns against a a not very good Virginia Tech team in like week two or three, and and it was it was thirty five twenty one. It was week two, but then you look at the rest of their schedule, and with the exception of a of a seven point win at Penn State, I mean they pretty much thoroughly dominated the rest of the teams they played. They got in because they went on the road and beat number five Michigan State. 49 to 37 and it wasn't that close yeah. like they thought they thumped them and then they blew out michigan and then they blew out number 13 wisconsin 59 to nothing in the in the big 10 title game if notre dame beats clemson by 30 and clemson's a top 10 team and then they go blow usc out who's in the top 25 that's the only exception for me mm-hmm. they'd have to they'd have to get one of those games back in the similar fashion that they lost sure. and then, they then you could say look out. New coaching staff on the road night game. It just was a you know, but we're not that team anymore, right? And I think that's the only way I could accept. It would have to end pretty massively from a team that gets blown out by Ohio State to be in a team that I feel like is a is is a Final Four team. You know what I mean? Right. Because I I guess what I from a if I if I take my analyst hat off and I put my fan hat on and, and I will I I've said this before and of course we want. The goal, obviously, is to be in the dance so that you can make that jump and win that first game, and that's the next step, and all of these different things. But if if I feel like Notre Dame doesn't deserve to be in the Final Four because of the way that they played throughout the season, even if they're eleven and one, right. I don't want them there. I, I just right. it's 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 Do, not fair, frankly. Right. You know what I right. mean? Go go to a New Year's Six Bowl, win that because they right. haven't done that either. I you mean. Know? I, I would say like if they're if they're if they're one of the four best teams, I may say like look, you know, the rest of the resumes aren't impressive. But I just there's in theory, there's all there's always caveats, right? Like nothing to me is just blanket. Here's right. this. Here's right. the especially deal. In May, right. right? Well, even well, even September, especially September third, yeah, sure. right? And and that's my point is like, you know, what if the two teams, you know, let's say it's Notre Dame and two other teams are battling it out for that four spot, and they all have blowout losses, right? Right, like so. There's always circumstances that could could lead to different caveats. Like I said, oh, okay. Notre Dame just goes out and pounds people the rest of the way, and then they can look back and say, "Look, brand new staff and all that." Like I said, but the the point is, is Notre Dame has to go into this game for so many reasons, focused on the 2022 season. Right. We just talked about the playoff resume. I I worry about the psyche because the one the one danger of playing a game this big this early is if you lose in a beat-down fashion, what does that do to the psyche of your football team? Right. 
Now, if you lose in a closed game, then I think it's easy to kind of rally the troops and say, you know, hey, guys, we could have won if we'd have done this, 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 and this. That's mm-hmm. exactly what happened in 2017. But if you go out and get just smacked early, I often wonder, like, what's that going to do to your football team? Right. And I think that's a legitimate question. And, and so that's that's another reason why. And then I think the big picture part from a recruiting standpoint is you, you've got this great recruiting class. Mm-hmm. What happens if you go on the road to Ohio State and you get you get beat down? So again, it put there's there's a the point is there's a lot of pressure on Notre Dame in this opener, in my opinion, and and it, there's a lot of pressure on the staff to say, hey, look, we think that you're better than what it was before. Now go show it, and it doesn't yeah. have to be a win. Uh, you know, I, I think that would be a little bit of an unfair yeah. expectation to say they should win uh, at Ohio State, a team that's ranked higher that you know has more dynamic players in certain positions and things like that. They should go on the road and win that game. That's a, that would be an incredibly unfair expectation for anybody. I agree. If Alabama was going into Columbus, I would not predict them to win. If Georgia was going into Columbus, I would not predict, you know, I would not say they, they should win that game. I'd say they can, but not should. And same thing for Notre Dame. And so that's the key. You got to prove that you belong on that stage. And this is going to be the first big opportunity to do so. So, and if you, if you do come out of that game and it's a competitive game, win or lose, then I think those next two games are really great games for you to get right where you're playing an opponent that's not good enough to really beat you, but an opponent that's good enough to where you have to quickly get your guys' focus back to say, let's keep moving. And you can then evaluate. So like if you come out and you steamroll Marshall and you steamroll Cal, if that were to happen, just hypothetically, then you know your team is getting there because those are teams that you have to really – you have to be – play to your ability to thump them, right? right? You, you can beat them by not playing your potential. Clearly you can just play okay and beat both of those teams, right? but okay. Doesn't get you to that, to the promised land. Right. And so that's what I like about this first quarter events is I do believe that there's a lot of, we're going to learn a lot about this team, not just from like the point is Ohio state game is not the only first quarter game. We're going to learn something about Notre Dame. Right. And that's my point. I think we're going to learn something about Notre Dame by how they respond, win yeah, or lose. If you beat Ohio State, you kind of walk into your home stadium against Marshall like, ha-ha, they're going to roll over and die because we beat Ohio State. No, Marshall like, we got nothing to lose now, right? Right. And they're going to give you everything they got. And and so I think you're going to learn a lot about this team from a talent standpoint, from a coaching standpoint. I think we're going to learn even more about the coaching than we will the talent yeah. in the first three games. Just how they're prepared – how they play in the opener, and then how do they respond to that? Win or lose, how do you respond to that? It says a lot about the maturity, the makeup, and the leadership of your football team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Could not have said it better myself. I, I think, again, after game one, we're going to learn a lot. But again, in moderation. But then after the whole first quarter is over, you've got three games under your belt. And if things are the same in one, two, and three, then now you've got a trend. And now you can start to really kind of understand who this team is moving forward, regardless of the fact that Ohio State's the best team. Marshall is potentially the worst team, maybe Navy, depending, right? Marshall's not the worst team on their schedule. Uh, I don't know where, like, you've got this, like, I don't know where you're getting this, like, this Marshall hate, but UNLV and Navy are significantly worse than Marshall, in my okay, opinion. Okay, that's fine. That's like, fine. I mean, they went seven and six last year, Vince. Navy went three and nine, and UNLV went two and ten. Like, I would argue they're not, they may not even be the third worst team on the schedule. I just looked at Marshall, and I was not impressed with their schedule last year. I mean, that's fine, but but Navy went 
three and nine. That's fine. I'm just talking about Marshall. I, yeah. I said, okay, that's fine. Um, Marshall beat Navy 49 to seven last he year. Did. I, still, I did see that part. Yeah. That, so, that is, that's, yeah. Fair. that's fair. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, that's fine. They, they also, they didn't play anybody. I understand that, but yeah. neither did UNLV. Fair and enough. They went two and 10. Right, like, look I'm not this. saying Marshall's like the third best team on the schedule, but they're definitely not the worst team on the schedule. Okay. They, they, I don't care what level you play at. If you make a bowl game, you're at least a competent team. In okay. my opinion. I will give you competent. Okay. And somebody in the chat earlier mentioned something along the lines of they've got, uh, you know, Kane Madden, PS, PTSD or whatever when they think yes. about Mark. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, so I get part that. of that going on. I'll, I'll admit it. But I, we I've got to have the same opinion of Kane Madden if Kane Madden played for Harry Heastan. Can we also admit that? I will 100% okay. admit that. And I will also admit that watching Kane Madden play for Marshall, he was really good at Marshall. Right. He was good playing right. against a team that Marshall played against. Right. You know? But anyway, I Marshall digress. also lost by a point at App State. I mean, so again, it's a MAC team. I, I said at the beginning, Notre Dame should win that game convincingly. But I do think you're missing it out a little bit on the fact that be, and here's why it's important to me that we recognize that Marshall's a quality team. I do think it matters. It's not just a semantic thing or I'm arguing with Vince or whatever the case may be. I think there, Jason is killing me. <laughs> he's always, he, he's always, he's always, uh, he's always trying to start some stuff, man. Yeah. He's still mad that he thinks he could sack me and we all know he can't. Here's the reason why I say it, Vince, is because. When I look at Marshall, if they go out and blast Marshall, like just destroy Marshall, people are going to be like, oh, well, they sucked anyway. And that diminishes how quality of an important performance that would actually be. Right. If Notre Dame, let's say they beat Ohio State, and then they kind of stumble through the Marshall game because they're, they're, they're having a, a hard time coming down off that mountain, right, emotionally. <laughs> well, Marshall sucks. No, Marshall's a decent team like Toledo was last year. Like you have no business struggling to them. None, right? None. No excuse. But it's not like they struggled against Akron, right? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I'm coming from, right? It's not like they struggled against UNLV or, you know, Syracuse 2009, right? Who were just awful teams. And that that's my point is just so if we're going to properly understand who Marshall is, then we can properly understand the, whatever the result of that game may be. And that's why I've always kind of pushed back against, you know, because there's other – it's kind of funny – you know, for years I've kind of been like, it's like, do some Notre Dame fans just think every team they play sucks? And, and like, it's like they should kill everybody by 50. And, oh, this team sucks. That team sucks. I'm not saying you're doing this, Vince, because I, because we've had conversations about teams that you like. But I think when you, when you look at it, it's, it's, but you got to understand what that victory meant. Cause if you just dismiss a 30 something point win, cause our oh, team sucked, then you may be overlooking that they're a quality team. And, <laughs> Here's the fun. Nothing personal. I get Brian's point, but we're comparing a Conference USA team to an AC. That Conference USA team played that AAC team and beat them by 42. I mean, can 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 we point that out? Wait, we have a head-to-head to go okay. off of. Okay, right. Regard. So that, that Conference USA yeah. team that you're d diminishing played the AAC team that you're talking about and beat them by six touchdowns. I just want to point that out, right? So anyway, and then Cal, to me, is an interesting team too, Vince, because – Cal, Cal might be the most physical team they play in quarter one. I mean, is that an? I mean, that's the thing. You watch Cal play; their offense sucks. They're one of the worst offensive teams in college football. But defensively, Justin Marshall. I mean, or Justin Wilcox. He's he's a good defensive coach. They were a they were one of the better defensive teams like in the Pac-12 last year. I mean, if you look at if you look at Cal last year on defense and they gave up what like 23 points a game i mean they were a decent football team last year on defense now offensively they're a hot mess yeah they ranked 32nd last year in, in scoring defense in the pac 12 that's not bad especially right. when you consider that their offense only scored 23.8 points per game i mean they lost they're, arizona 10 to 3 awful to arizona. awful you can't put on offense on arizona yeah I mean, they are awful on offense, but their defense is actually uh, like a, a tough physical group. I mean, they held Oregon to 24 points in a loss last year. They held Washington State to 21 points in a loss last year. What's funny is the team that the two teams scored the most on them, 
It's like one of the teams that scored the most on them was Sacramento State, right? It's just you, you just you just never know how those are going to go. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. the the point about Cal is is I think that's going to be a good test for the Notre Dame offense, right? Like Cal is a team that Notre Dame should thump because you you could beat them by three touchdowns and only score twenty four points. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like that's how bad their offense is. But they had a decent defense last year, though, right? They yeah. gave up like one hundred thirty some rushing yards per game. They had a couple rough games. They had a, uh, some really good games too. They're not a good team. Like I, I would argue that I I think Marshall's a better team than Cal. You were gonna say that. I mean, they are. I mean, but the the point is. Cal is at least physical. And I think the thing that you can get out of that game is, okay, if your offensive line can go out and bully Cal, you say, okay, they're, they're developing. That's a, that's a, they're emerging. They're, they're making strides again, bad team. You should thump them, but it's all part of, but what can you learn from that specific out of that game? What, like, yeah, what can you learn from about your team from that game? What can you work on to get better? You know, all of these different things, right? You're absolutely right, right because there is no team on your schedule, no matter what level you play, mm-hmm. where you can't circle something and be like, okay, right. if we do this, we can be successful. Right. This is something that we need to measure ourselves against, whether it's a, a, a one-on-one matchup, whether it's a, a part of your game, whatever it happens to be, there is always something that mm-hmm. you can use right. you know, on, on Sunday or Monday when you're going right. over the field. Right. And with Cal, it's going to be physicality. Like, can, can can you take a team that's not going to be afraid of you, that's physically going to come to to play, can you then bully them and push them around the way that you will Navy or UNLV, right? right? And I think that's the thing. So that's what I look at from those two teams is, you know, Marshall is not a super talented team, but I think they're a really well-coached team. And so if you can be disciplined against them and smash them the way you should, then that tells me, you're able to come off of that Ohio State game, win or lose, and and quickly refocus and and play sound football, and then let your talent win out against a team that you are significantly better than in Marshall, right? Absolutely. Against Cal, it's the physicality piece of it. Now, if Notre Dame, you know, holds Cal to ten points, it's kind of like the Nevada game in 09, Vince. You remember that game where they 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 shut out Nevada and it was like thirty eight to nothing, and everybody's like, "Oh, Notre Dame's defense," and I'm like, "Nope, nope." There was a lot of Nevada dropped like 10 balls and there's all these issues going on. And, uh, you know, if you, if you hold them to 10 points and you play great football, then it's like, okay, yeah, you did what you're supposed to do to a terrible offense. I'm more looking at, that's a game where for me, I'm going to learn, we're going to learn a lot more about the Notre Dame defense against Marshall. We're going to learn a lot about the Notre Dame offense against Cal. And that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Like, cause if you can move the ball and score, you know, uh, at a high rate against that team, then that tells me this offense is really ready to rock and roll. And that's, that's kind of how I look at that. So quarter one, now the trap game for me of, of these opponents is, is the interesting one, Vince, because that's what we're going to kind of do is what's the trap game of each quarter. We don't need to spend time talking about who the toughest opponent is. If, if anyone's smart, has Wait, a different answer than than Ohio State, then you know it's like Vince is no longer with us. Uh, he had a stroke in the middle of our show today and uh, was saying silly things, and he's not going to be with us anymore. In all seriousness, but like the the trap game here is more interesting to me, Vince, because I kind of go back and forth on it. Sure, uh, on which one of these could be the trap game to the point where I'm almost like, there's really not a trap game, and if Notre Dame is, if one of these teams does become a trap game for Notre Dame, it's going to be a long year. I think thank you because I was like, man, I, can you really pick a trap game? Because if they lose to one of these teams, that that's a major problem. And it even if you beat them, losing though, a trap game can also be one where you just kind of play like crap the whole game, and then it gets you out of okay. rhythm, and then you go lose the next one to North Carolina, for example. North Carolina. It's kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. I that's I, I guess going it, Cal. you're going with Cal. Yeah, uh, I, for me, I'm. Um, I know that the Cal defense stands, you know, they're a decent defense, right? And you're talking mm-hmm. about physicality and all of that. And I, and I think that that's important. And I, the physicality part of it doesn't necessarily worry me because it's a Harry Heastan coach line. And I like that matchup, frankly, um, in Notre Dame's favor. I guess if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with Marshall just because of the emotional 
drain that is going to come mm-hmm. from the Ohio State game being the first game, being the one that they're focused on for a month, really all summer, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, going into it, win or lose, depending on how that goes. Let's say they get blown out. Let's say they get blown out. There's going to be a lot of expectations on game two and, and what that's going to look like. If it's a close mm-hmm. game, there's going to be a lot of expectations as to what the Marshall game is supposed to look like. If they win, there's going to be a lot of expectations. You know, so right. if I had to pick one, I'm going to go with Marshall. And it's not because it's Marshall. It's because it's the next game after Ohio State. Right. So that, that's why I would go that route. And yeah. you add on the fact that it's the home opener. You know, it's the first game at home for Marcus Freeman. You know, you add all those kind of layers in there as well. Not right. that I think Marcus Freeman will have them ready to play. But those are that's outside noise. But we don't right? know yet. That's your point. We don't right. know yet. And, and a lot of outside noise, yeah. Not traveling away because sometimes being away is a good thing when you've got the noise, right? But now coming back on campus, first home game, all of those different things—that's something that they're going to have to deal with. So I'll take Marshall on this one, but again, I can easily make the argument that there is no such thing as a trap game in the first quarter. Um, mm-hmm. But it's Marshall for me. I'm going to go with Cal because I feel like what I talked about before. If Notre Dame's not locked in offensively against Cal and Cal's good, well coached well enough. Now they don't have a lot of talent, but they're coached well enough. And and again, because the the thought is Vince is, I think we both agree that most likely the defense is still going to be pretty good. There's less turnover and change from that group than the other. I mean, Tommy Reese is the only thing coming back from the offense from last year. The offense has still been an inconsistent group. Yes, it the numbers at the end of the year were pretty good, but they it was against a bunch of bad teams. They didn't play great early in the year outside the Florida State game. Very inconsistent. Didn't play great against teams like Purdue and Toledo and, and teams that they should have been better against. Right. And, and so to me, Cal's a team that is good, coached well enough and at least physical enough. And they, they lost some really good players. Like they lost their best DB, who's a, a kid that com- had committed Notre Dame at one point in time, if you remember correctly. They're good enough to where if Notre Dame's not coached well on offense, if they're not physical, if they're not focused – Cal could make them play inconsistently. Notre Dame could win like a a a, a twenty seven to six game, to where you get out of rhythm and it 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 funks you up for the next week against North Carolina. Sure, that's sure. where that's why I say Cal could be the trap game where it doesn't because I think sometimes a trap game cannot be the game that you lose, but it sets you up to then lose the yeah. next one. Because you get out of your out of your rhythm and it's like you're not in your good headspace, and then the coaches are hard on you the next week, and then you go out the next week on the road against North Carolina, who I think is going to be better than people. I thought they were overrated last year. I think they're getting underrated this year, and you know, I, and especially getting rid of Jay Bateman. You all know what I thought of Jay Bateman as a defensive coach. So I did not hide my feelings uh, all that much on him. So um. So that's kind of my. That's why I'd probably go with Cal, is because, like you said, Vince, neither one of these teams. So I, I think, I think your points about Marshall were phenomenal. From a what are we going to learn about Notre Dame standpoint, for me, I don't think those necessarily get to the port of a point of a trap game for me because of what comes next. But I think all your points are incredibly valid to me. It just would be more of a lesson learned type of validity as opposed to a trap game. I just sure. in the day. I just don't think Marshall has enough good players to to play at that. Like like Toledo, to me, had more NFL players than Marshall. They had some guys that I thought, you know, some guys that transferred from other schools and things like that. Um, it, I thought they just a little bit more athletic than Marshall. What I like yeah. about Marshall is Marshall's they got a big physical offensive line. They're coached very well. They have a good running back. They got a quarterback transfer in from Texas Tech. I love the kid they had a quarterback last year. Really talented young kid for that level. But they just don't have the overall team speed, in my opinion, to to really at the end of the day give Notre Dame a major problem. It, but that focus piece, you know, is uh, is a really important part of that. There's no doubt about that part. Right. No. And and I get it. And it again, it's it's arguing. I don't want to say it's arguing semantics, but like. It's almost I almost feel like I'm I'm you know we're force feeding the trap game thing with this quarter cuz I think you can make Well I think it depends on what you view as a trap game. That okay. that's that's why I tried to set the premise. Yeah. So a trap game isn't just one you lose, but yeah, right. yeah, but at the end of the day Vince, I mean the, the point you're making these are two teams no name should should be. If if this team is what we think it is, and that's why I think the first quarter is so important. If this team is what we think it is, Vince, 
these should neither one of them should be trap games because they're not good. Like right. we are we disagree completely on Marshall, but what I'm not arguing is that they're the fourth best team on the schedule, right? They're right. still in that bottom five. Sure. Right. Cows in the bottom five. Navy and 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 UNLV and are in the bottom down. five. Right. 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 The right. question is okay, who else is in that bottom five? Is it Stanford? Is it Syracuse? Right. Like that's that's more of a debate than anything else. But I think we will learn a lot about this football team in this first, I mean, even with just really one great team and two teams you should pound, I think we're going to learn a lot about them in this first quarter. And we're going to learn a lot about Marcus Freeman's ability to kind of get a team locked in and focused on it. So that's kind of my two cents. Vince, any, anything else you'd like to add? I know you're going to be getting out of here soon before we go into our daily mailbag, but anything you'd like to add about that, or I'm going to give you the opportunity. If you, if you don't want to talk about the schedule, if you feel you've got all it out, if you want to leave us with your thoughts on the, uh, on the, 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 the pissing match between Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher. Well, I, I my, my, talk about it. Yeah, I was going to say my opinions on the uh, well, my opinions on the first quarter of the schedule are that you're getting me way too excited for the fall on May 19th. That's that's part of the problem. Like I'm now I'm fired up to to watch some football. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.